Welcome to the journey of an esthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. This must be, don't tell me, (laughs) Mitch. Mitch, that's right. Journey of an Esthete podcast. Welcome to our show. Hi. We're uh, we're not live, though, right? No, no, no. It's recorded. But, you know, um, uh, generally, you know, this is uh, my second year doing podcasts, and it is an arts. I think it's the only podcast of its kind that um, focuses just on aesthetics and across all high, low, middle brow, painting, performance, just anything aesthetic. And so, you know, some of our guests are people I know personally, some like yourself, I've never met until now, but I'm a fan of their work, tremendous fan, and everything in between. But I, but I, if I don't, if you don't mind, I'll say a few words. I think I um, first encountered... You've come to the wrong place, Mitch. I know Aesthetics I have. have nothing to do with what I do. I know. I know you said you're very adamant about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember you, I, remember you say, I remember you saying once that you didn't have the beret. You said, well, I'm the only one with oh. the beret or having the beret. And so that means that you can speak about it. Um, okay. But, but, that's, uh, <laughs> but it, it, I think it's in Cut It Out. But I, but I think I first came across your, your work uh, mainly from um, record album covers that I loved. Many of them jazz, yeah. jazz records. You know, like uh, the Freddie Hubbard Liquid Love is just um, – Incredible, and then the Weather Report, all those wonderful Weather Report albums. So I think initially I knew about that stuff before I even made the connection. You'd done New York Times and Esquire and all the in the seventies and eighties. Just so much, uh, just I mean, just really, um, just such a diverse and wonderful and fe- I'd say fearless and um, fun and funny and and political and everything, all in one. And so it's, 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 it is wonderful to have you on our, on our podcast because I think you uh, exemplify the, the arts, I, if I must say, whatever you might think of the word. So, so and, and, and of course, usually on our show, we do a linear chronology, and that's for basically a fancy way of saying personal bio. And I saw, that you, uh. you saw, I saw that you spend time in Boston at the Boston Center for the Arts in the 70s. And so tell me about, your, about your, how you came to 
be the collagist you are and illustrator you are and, and Kurt Schwitters and what inspired you to, to, to do what you do, which is, which is unique. All you need. Um, I, I, as far as inspiration goes, uh, God, that's such a tough question. You know, I've always looked at art and some of that seeped in. I think a very early inspiration and one that has stuck with me was the old Ernie Kovacs television show. Oh, wow. Which not all of your listeners may be aware of, uh, oh. certainly the younger one. Yeah. This was a man who had a, a live TV show every week, and he did basically surrealistic experiments Mm-hmm. in front of a uh, feed. Yeah. That really impressed me uh, as a kid, and uh, as did his wife. Uh, but the cigar smoking did not, but that's another story. <laughs> um, well, uh, um, you know, the regular things that uh, influenced me visually, you know, Mad Magazine, comic books, mm-hmm. films, music, mm-hmm. all of it just goes in the hopper and yeah. uh, that's how the sausage gets made. All of this stuff pushed together. Uh, old art, new art. Uh, I was just open to a lot of uh, influences. I can see that you are, and I can see in your work that you are, but I think the thing that fascinates me, I'm somebody that has absolutely no visual intelligence or skill whatsoever. I'm a musician, you know, I'm a pianist, but I don't, I can't draw to save my life. And so I'm always marvel, and I, and I, I always marvel at people like yourself who really have that gift of being able to create, it, to create in their mind's eye an idea and represent it visually. I think it's just remarkable. And you know, the way the way that you do it, you the fearlessness, you know, of using things from politics and society. Um, which I appreciate, you know. Let me let me turn that on its head. I, yeah. I would uh much rather be a piano player than a visual artist. Oh um I would have always preferred to have been a musician than a writer huh. and finally a visual artist, but this is you know, what I have some facilitate with, uh, I don't have a musical ear. My, my son does, my wife does. Oh, interesting. Uh, I did write, uh, I did have a book come out uh, 10 years ago that, uh, made a minor splash and I considered myself an author for a year or so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, called 420 characters. characters. I actually wanted to, before we, uh, Hold that thought because I did want you to read a little bit from that book, if you don't mind, later on. You don't have to now, but I think I think it would be beautiful for the for the listener to hear a little snippet if, you know, of it. Um, but yes, but go ahead. You were saying that that was your your foray into writing. Uh, writing, yeah. Did you want to go there? Well, certainly, if you want to read from it, that would be oh. great. Although I think it's a little again the linear chronology we're going from. I'm trying to figure out how, you know, in the 70s in Boston, you go to Los Angeles and do stuff for A&M well, a Records. And I sort of marvel uh, Mitch, it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not linear. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> if you, I'm not either. <laughs> so if you want a linear chronology, I was born in uh, Göttingen, Germany oh, in 19, okay. 1947. My, my parents were guests of the uh, Third Reich. Uh, my father had been in the Polish underground 
he was captured. Wow. Uh, uh, upon his release, the Polish government in exile, which was based in the British zone, sponsored yeah. him to go to the university there in Göttingen. Uh, the famous Max Planck Institute was there. My mother huh. uh, was a young woman who had been taken off a train in Poland and brought to Germany to be a slave laborer, a forced laborer. Mm. She escaped. And they caught her and they shaved her head and put her in jail for a while and then back into the uh, the factory, the Agfa factory. And after the war, uh, again, my father was sponsored to go to school and uh, I was born there. And at the age of four, uh, we uh, immigrated to the United States. Wow. And uh, we found a sponsor in Rochester, New York. We were called DPs, displaced persons, because wow. we were of a country. My father sure. could not go back to Poland because he had uh, not only fought the Nazis, but he fought the Soviets. And they were, of course, in control of countries. They were. He couldn't go back. Well, your father, if your father fought both, he was on the right side on everything. He's, yeah, he was, <laughs> it was, you know, that that's actually very... That in itself could be its own epi- podcast episode because it, at that time it was very rare. You know, usually people that were anti-fascist tended to, right, as you remember, turn a blind eye to Stalinism a little bit for a time. And, and, uh, and so, that, so your, your, your family was unique in that, in that sense. But um, I guess I'm wondering how you, how you discovered Ernie Kovacs, if that was your... Of your um, well, I guess, you know, we had a... We, we we had a TV yeah. <laughs> in the fifties when yeah. when Ernie was on. Yeah, uh, right to Rochester where we had, like I said, a sponsor. You had to have yeah. someone who would. And uh, so we we moved to Rochester, and and I had a, you know, I went to public schools, and my mother worked in a factory. My my father had a rather low paying jobs. Uh, at first for someone who had a master's degree in chemistry mm-hmm. uh, until, you know, he, he learned the language and the ropes of mm-hmm. the uh, uh, corporate world, the mm-hmm. factory life uh, gave him a, a route from being a lens polisher at Bausch & Lomb to being a uh, research engineer there working on all kinds of things, including lasers and yeah. parts of missiles and so forth. So I'm, I'm wonder- my life, we grew uh, yeah. I thought, I'm wondering, I, I get a sense that because your father was very scientific and had done this, um, this kind mm-hmm. of work, I, I think that influences your art making a little bit. There's a, there's a kind of um, attention to detail, I think, a little bit maybe that you may have may have gotten from him. I'm just guessing, I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, he was... A, a man who he, he was a man who would uh, improvise things as an engineer. You know, I tried this and tried that, and at home he would, you know, fix things around the house with what was available. And, and much of what I do is is improvisational. That's as close as I get to playing jazz. Is uh, fooling around until uh, I get a melody and some harmony piece, uh, a little beat. And I make a picture that's uh, that I like to think of as uh, oftentimes as having rhythm. It, it having rhythm. Some- I mean, your work grooves. I mean, I, I cannot but think that maybe it's because I'm a jazz musician and I love your work so much. I don't know. 
I know that you did some covers for uh, Charlie Hayden and um, Joe Zomino and Weather Report. And those guys, I'm wondering if they recognized in you a kindred, a soul brother and recognized in you someone improvised in three dimensions, improvised in volume and space as well. Well, we we never discussed it. I found uh, uh, Charlie Hayden was a very sweet, wonderful man. And uh, the funny thing was that I did a portrait of him for a cover. It's beautiful. For Horizon, okay, for Horizon Records. It's for sale, folks. I have it. Yeah. Um, uh, Horizon was a imprint of A&M Records, and for some reason, someone maybe misled me, or somehow I got an idea in my head that he hated that cover. He hated the portrait. So for many, many years, more than 20 years, huh. more than probably 30 years, I had that idea in my head. Hmm. Then uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, I met Charlie Hayden. I hadn't met him before. Wow. And, and I brought that up to him, and he said, oh, no, I love that cover. <laughs> so, See, there you go. It, well, I just got through telling you it's a beautiful portrait, a cover, but yet you had this, this negative thing in all these years thinking he hated it. I mean, I, I, yeah. it's interesting. That album is, is, well, that period in Charlie Hayden's life, he was working with Hampton Hawes. And I love Hampton Hawes. And I think that was um, pianist Hampton Hawes at the end of, of his life. So Yes. It's really well, it was also a tough time in Charlie's life. So yeah. uh, I was glad to have done something that I was proud of. But oh, yeah. uh, finally find out that, that he really did appreciate it. Unfortunately, he you know died a few years ago. Yeah, yeah that's and uh, with with Joe, it was a different relationship. That very first cover, the uh, heavy weather cover. It's incredible. Uh, I was uh, I was just new to the game. You know, I yeah. was cocky, and uh, oh, he he saw the cover, and he wanted me to take out some elements that are which I did. But very, I balked at first because I thought, hey, man, this is my art. You know, mm-hmm. don't screw around. But uh, a couple of things. I needed the money. Sure, sure. Uh, my friend was the art director at the at CBS Records, Columbia Records. Yeah. I didn't want to make her. And third, I came to realize that it wasn't Lou Beach with music by Weather Report. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I, I did take out the elements, which are, you know, very small things that really didn't affect the overall look of the piece. I mean, that, when you're that young, period, I mean, I know you were, you say you were young and cocky, but I cannot but think that that benefited your art because your art is so fearless. What I mean is that you, you, you just totally, um, unencumbered by any kind of, um, you're never coy and you, you're so expressive and you just, um, just go for it. I don't really. I'm not really uh, sure there were people at that at that time. I don't think there were many people, anybody doing that. That I, that in, at least in that in that um, milieu, certainly not on album covers, not like that. I don't think. Well, there, there's a lot. Of, I'm of course a twelve piece of real estate was a lot more fun to work on than a thumbnail for Spotify. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered by uh, by what 
Hey, I'm not sure if I agree totally. <laughs> you know, uh, I try to take chances and get away with things, and but that, that, you know, one and a half dozen, I could get away with something. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I have to make the client happy. That's the difference. The two sides of my brain: there's the, right. the client who has to uh, satisfied, and then my client. I'm the client. I I solve problems for the clients. Yeah. And for myself, problems to solve where the client brings me a problem. And, and for my own work, I I am the problem. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's funny because it's um, it's all the more remarkable because you, you are doing work that gets categorized, for lack of a better word, popular commercial illustration or, or collage. And, and so you have these big clients with big companies. And yeah, it's always Lou Beach. You know, you're always bringing your, you know. It's, I try. Yeah, you try, and, and, and you manage sometimes to get away with it, not all times. I'm interested in um, what did Joe Zangwino and, and those guys want you to take out, because I don't know if it matters or not. I mean, it just... Um, it, it really, um, for me, it mattered, but yeah. not enough, obviously, to, to make a big deal of it. It was my first big cover. You know, I had done yeah. some minor work because I had a friend who was in the music industry, and he brought me in, but... Uh, there's a very small sort of uh, size of a, a paper punch. In fact, I use the paper punch to make a bunch of these little circles. Mm -hmm. And I pasted them, scattered them in that picture to give more of a rain, a more motion feeling for the picture. But Joe didn't like all those jobs, so I, oh. I, I, but I left one, in, in, which he either didn't notice or didn't care about. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's really something. Well, Joe, Joe's all we knew himself had, had was certainly had an ego and was was in a way cocky, oh. I'm sure. And so maybe it was a meeting of maybe there was some. You guys were in some senses more alike than 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 not, but I'm uh, just guessing. But um, well, I didn't. I, you know, I didn't spend any time with him uh, until uh, the Zawinol Syndicate. I did a cover for him and went up to uh, his place in Malibu where they oh, had a recording studio and his property. He used to belong to John Houseman, the old actor. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Well, how did you end up there from Boston? So tell me about your uh, going to, because you were, saw in your bio you were in Boston for a long time and... I was in Boston in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s, and I'm sure it's very different. <laughs> Boston's a very different place in the 70s, I'm sure. Um, yeah. It was uh, uh, a good time in Boston. I learned a lot of things and had my first one-man show and mm -hmm. made a lot of art, uh, had some adventures. Um, I was living in L.A. with uh, my girlfriend and... We had decided to go. That we wanted to go to Europe. This was a, this was a uh, uh, time in my life where I was just exploring making artists, making collages, and mm -hmm. doing three you know, uh, assemblage work. Um, and uh, we thought it'd be good to go to Europe for whatever reason. I, I couldn't even tell you why, except uh, Europe seemed like a good place. It still does. I'd like to go there now. Yeah, I would too. Uh, <laughs> I can't yeah. blame you. Um, anyway, so we, we got in my uh, 50 Ford panel truck with a 
big German shepherd. We had uh, a built-in cabinet in the back and a cactus in the uh, ashtray in the front. We're just a couple of hippies. Yeah. And we drove across the country in this wonderful yellow truck. truck. And uh, my girlfriend had a cousin in Boston. So we had someone to connect to. And uh, while we were trying to get our finances together to, to ship out, Across the big muddy, um, I was delivering paint in the in the truck, and uh, she was doing some other things. And uh, we were living in a sort of a storefront on Boylston Street, which is a major street in the Back Bay. And uh, on the top floor was uh, a space where we crashed with some other hippies and some soldiers that were a wall. Wow! And uh, I found that the church at the corner, a, a real church, not a storefront church, yeah. uh, um, was looking for a janitor. And it was the Arlington Street Church, which is a, also a famous church yeah, a famous in Boston. Church. Absolutely love that church. Uh, a lot of uh, draft card burnings in oh. front of it. And it was a, it was a uh, Unitarian church. It's a radical church, yeah. Yeah, so I applied, and they accepted me, and they, there's an apartment in the basement. We moved in there, Wow. and after uh, after working there for a while, she ran off with the piano player, Mitch, oh, boy. you and your group. Uh, she went- <laughs> the, piano players sometimes, the piano players sometimes make out, not always, but, but sometimes it does well, happen. We yeah. had a wonderful... Uh, Photograph I have here of Pintock Perkins uh, wow. up above my yeah, wonderful photographer named uh, Bill Allard took it. And he did oh, great, great blues show. Anyway, so I, I remained at the church and uh, uh, worked there, and, and uh, somehow a, uh, a woman found me. I don't really remember quite how this happened, but. She was a, uh, a a wealthy sponsor of a theater group called the Boston Repertoire Repertory yeah. Theater, and David Morris was one of the was one of the actors in that who came out to Hong- done quite well for himself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she needed she needed some art for the lobby of the newly established Boston Center for the Art, where this group was performing. And she asked if I would be interested, and I said, sure. So my first one-man show, my first show of any kind, was in the lobby of the Boston Center for the Arts. Oh, man, I would and, love to see any any archival documentation, and I just love to look at that, because that was a... Well, I think the Boston Center for the Arts moved their location, because they were on Tremont Street, weren't they? Or I think the, so, yeah. Yeah, Tremont Street. But I'd love yeah, yeah. to hear more about what you were doing in that. Just your first show and in the, in the seventies, and that's some. Um, the collage uh, with cut out uh, 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 women from from the Renaissance and adding butterflies and flowers okay. and all kinds of stuff like that. They were they weren't particularly edgy. No, they were pretty. And uh, one of them was used in an early issue of the uh, of Boston Magazine for for uh, a story about uh, Jerzy Krasinski's The Painted Bird novel. Oh, wow. 
See, this is why so that was, this is why I'm so glad you're on on my show. This is like music because you're talking about wow. I mean, just uh, just just that uh, I just can see it in my mind's eye. What that what even though I haven't seen, I know know your style now, and I can see the, the Lou Beach. Yeah, I can see what that would be like. The, it was the, it was yeah. early, early stuff before I found my footing, and uh, things got weird. <laughs> well, they, yeah. So the art got, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, I was, it was okay stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, so anyway, I, I, this this wonderful woman and her husband uh, asked me to come out to uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard, where they had a home. They lived on Beacon Hill. And uh, uh, a new girlfriend, okay, and uh, uh, stayed there on their in their house for quite a while, probably a year and a half, where we had a car, and they only came on weekends. Uh, okay, and we had an island life with a little convertible car. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was a wonderful time. And you're developing, I guess, all in that time your your own your own style. Yeah, I was. Uh, I kept making making pictures for sure, yeah. and they were painting from the uh, the hippie stuff. Yeah, and more edge and and uh, more content that wasn't just driven by making a pretty picture. Sure, sure. Did you ever cross paths with Stuart Brand and the Whole Earth people in any of your uh, at that time in any of your work or? Uh, no, but I have two very good friends who were in the original uh, Whole Earth catalog as uh, as staff members. Okay, but I, I was not uh, I was not part of that. That was up north. Yeah, where I did hitchhike. And uh, tell me about that. Tell me at least two hitchhiking stories because that's a that's oh, two hitchhiking. Well, I, I, I would I would like ten or twelve, but again, time is you know we, we're not going to be here. Yeah, I'll, I'll go, even good well, things come to an end. So go ahead. But, uh. Well, when I for, when I came to Los Angeles from Rochester, I had uh, I'd gone to a you know community college here, and then I went to the University of Buffalo for a while in night school because I had a I had some scholarship, but yeah. I was really a poor student that was more interested in you know getting high and having fun. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I came back from a, a semester in Buffalo and uh, at my parents' house, and they said, well, you know, what happened? Where are your grades and stuff? And I said, I don't they must have been lost in the mail or something. I had gotten them and thrown them out because they were terrible. You know, I wasn't, I was actually uh, playing pool a lot, gin rummy all day, and poker game once a week at our place with, uh, anyway, I, uh, I, I went to work in a factory and moved in with a, with six guys, two of whom were sort of models, car thieves and drug dealers, and two who were union organizers. And my friend Richard and I were kind of uh, trying to figure out what was what. Are we just... Uh, well, that's some house. I mean, that just sounds like a great house. If you've got, if you've got <laughs> all that going on well, in the same house, you get the whole, you know, the world... Yeah, the whole world's in that in that house. You got it. Yeah, well, 
decided uh, we had enough after uh, <laughs> one of the criminal types killed a baby pig in the uh, in the bathtub was uh, using the head as a puppet in a third floor window and uh, talking to kids on the street. And we thought, mm, you know, it's time for us to I'm gonna move on. We found a guy who was uh, heading to California. Yeah. And we got in the car with him. We came out to LA. We had a friend here. We slept on his floor till his wife had enough of us. And yeah. we found a little back house in Hollywood. And uh, what was the question? Well, I guess Sorry. I was asking for some stories of hitchhiking, like being in a vehicle and the things <laughs> that you encounter when you're in a vehicle, especially at that time, must have been really something, right? I mean. Well, well I, people hitchhike all the time down Sunset. Uh, I remember being, being uh, either he picked me up or I picked him up. Wild Man Fisher, if you have any idea who that was. Oh yeah. And uh, well, anyway, I I ended up in sort of a hippie commune in Ventura County, just over the county line from L.A. County. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people on the beach and two two camps separated by you know a couple hundred yards and. We jump in the ocean every day, and and tourists would come by. Remember, this was the '70s, so oh, hippies yeah. were people were hippies were kind of a phenomenon. People come and take pictures, and we would beg change from them, and uh, go into town and and get food uh, and bring it back. We would have campfires and drum circles and such. Wow. Well, I had. Uh, Decided I wanted to go to San Francisco, so I, I hitched to San Francisco. And when I came back to the camp, the camp had been burned down by a bunch of, uh, I, I don't know if they were Hells Angels or one of the other gangs. Yeah. And they had raped some of the women and oh. burned the tent. So that was the end of that. Yeah. Well, that's one story. Well, that's a, um, you know, that's, yeah. a drear. Well, you know, those times where, yeah. where they were. Yeah. Well, you know, tra- tra- traveling by car, I guess you had to sort of um, adjusting to California life is very different than the East Coast, probably even then, right? So, um, uh, had a car back east, of course, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. winters made it a wholly different experience than driving out here. Yeah. I guess what I'm yeah, wondering is how you made that connection with all of these very high profile clients and these albums and from, from doing the one, one person shows, one man shows and making that, cause that happened in the seventies. I'm just wondering, was it just from your experiences of just being open-minded and meeting people in California or was it, um, well, just the one who I, I left California with, um, she had a cousin, she had a large family and, and two of the uncles of four uncles, uh, had a furniture store and her cousin, the son of one of those two gentlemen, uh, he and I delivered furniture for a while. And later on, when I came back from my sojourn to Boston, ostensibly to go to Europe, uh, he had become a lawyer and was working at a record company. He was working at A&M Records. And, okay. and I had 
portfolio of work. And he said, let's see it. And he said, oh, you know what? Why don't you do a record cover for me? So I did a record cover for him. And then I did another record cover for the record company and then would drag my portfolio around to the different companies, which you did back then. You physically had a thing and you'd call up and make an appointment yeah. and you'd see the art. It's kind of unheard of now, yeah. but there were a lot of record companies, you know, ABC and, and, Capital. uh, Capital. I mean, well, Capital, I guess, still exists, but then there were companies that no longer exist here, you know, and, uh, you'd go from one to the other and, People would like your work, my work, and I'd, I'd get some work. It also helped, you know, that the, our, I had an art director girlfriend who yeah, would throw me work every once in a while. And so it's just uh, a matter of, you know, once you're known and people can rely on you, that was important that you could come through. And uh, now, it just it, became... Was that was the distinctiveness of what you were doing? I guess what I was calling the fearlessness or the graphic color, like say your your Liquid Love album, which I have a copy of in notebook form for Freddie Hubbard, that mermaid and those colors. Were you starting to get known and saying, "Well, this Lou Beach has a unique eye, and there's no, nothing else like it"? Was there starting to be, get buzz around what you were doing, or was it was it? Um, well, I don't know if they were saying there's nothing like it or if there was a buzz. I yeah. think it was just, a, you know, there's a general core of illustrators and photographers that were relied on by art directors. Okay. So I was one of those guys yeah. uh, that, again, was I could be dependable and I could, I was a, you know, I could come up with concepts, which is why I was used a lot for editorial illustrations, magazine stuff. I could come up with, with something eye-catching that would involve the, uh, the reader, bring them into the story. Everybody needs an anchor in life. You, me, just everybody. Anchor made this whole show possible. I'm immensely grateful to them. You too can use Anchor to make your own shows and create your own vision. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I know that you, you some of your political work, like for the New York Times Magazine during the Bush years, Bush won the eyeballs, 9-11, that fame, the, 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 the keyhole, right? You know, the one I mean, the cover, that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's an example of conceptual, well, it's all yeah. over the place. And I, I wouldn't, it would be, it wouldn't do you justice for me just to isolate one, but that is a notable example of that, I think. But is that conceptual thinking something that someone either has or doesn't have? It's a, right. It's a kind of, is it a kind of way to thinking in pictures and, and connecting with what the, what the text is? or uh, what the, uh, I, I, well, I, I, I can't speak to the, you know, to, to the mechanics of the, how the brain works in that yeah. regard, but uh, I would imagine some people would have an assignment and they would be very literal about it. And I guess, uh, I think the best illustrations, uh, if they're not, you know, perfect renderings of things, uh, are, are meta use metaphor. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like to read and I like to write stories. So narrative is important to me, uh, certainly in my own work, my personal work. And I try to bring that into the commercial work, which I do very little of, by the way. Um, not by not by choice. <laughs> it's just that 
you know, this has changed. Uh, far fewer record covers uh, right. and far fewer with fewer pages. Yeah. So, um, well, do you, and maybe it's just you, I mean, you, you talk about the commercial work and the personal work, but I would I would guess as an outsider that the, that there's a, a blurred line between the two. That it's all Lou Beach, and that you know, there's some of you in both, right? Would that be fair to fair to say? I, I, I oh, sort of think, yeah. Sure, but again, as I said before, the difference is I've I, I brought a problem by a commercial client yeah. for me to solve. But my own work, I create a problem, a puzzle. You know, I have all of this these elements on my work table. Yeah. So now, what is these things are speaking to me? But what are they saying? How do I join them together to make something? That, that speaks to me in my head. It's, it's a puzzle, you know, it's like, um, uh, it's actually like a puzzle, like a picture puzzle, but you've lost the, the box cover that tells you what the picture's about. So you, you, you work and you work and you finally, there's an aha moment where there's a realization of what this is and what's it about. That's a, that's a good a good expression of, of what you, what you do, yeah. And I, I would never think to describe it that way, but that that's um that makes sense to me. It makes sense. It's to like me. Through, a, through a swamp with a lot of quicksand in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Did you want to read from your stories from the four four twenty from the characters, or because I know that you you're a great storyteller and, and um. Uh, um, if you have, go find a copy and to find. Oh, you don't have a copy there. Okay. Well, I, not in front of me. I, I mean, there's there's one in the other room. Yeah. Um. The other, and that far away, my house isn't uh, a huge mansion. Okay. <laughs> you sound <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> well, we could we could we could we could. We could uh, you know, it's up to you if you want to do it. I mean, you know, I certainly talk about your life is is, is um, remarkable enough. But I mean, uh, uh, yeah, California, the seventies and eighties, and and Los Angeles. Um, um, I'm just I'm just wondering about the the evolution of your work through the decades. You know, when um, like those those New York Times assignments or those Esquire assignments. Um, I didn't have many with Esquire. Uh, a couple. New York Times. I did a lot of work for. Uh, yeah. I did. I did uh, columns for the magazine, and I did right. uh, a lot of work for the book review. That's right. And speaking of, why well, here's a copy of 420 characters. That's perfect. Look, I, I signed it to my dear Lou. You are the best writer ever. <laughs> signed, Lou. Um, <laughs> dear Lou. Oh, uh, let's, uh, it's so hard. I haven't looked at these in quite a while. <laughs> um, Stand the test of time. Um, the dead. Anticipation. Kiss me a question, ask me again with your eyes, and I'll answer with my fingers, trailing reasons down your spine. 
there's a theory behind your knees and a postulate in that sweet spot on your neck. And I'll respond to your query with a smooch and a holler, roll you up against the sink and wash your hair, make love till the plates fall off the shelf. Yeah. We are on a ridge overlooking their encampment. Only women and children, the old and infirm remain. The men are gone hunting or raiding. As I draw my saber and point it at the camp, I see the reflection of my horse's wild eye in the shiny metal. He knows there will be fire and screaming, the smell of blood and smoke before he can drink from the river. So, you know, the, uh, the premise of the stories, they're called 420 characters because they were written almost on a daily basis as an exercise mm-hmm. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That time, in 2000. 10, 2011, you were uh, restricted to 420 characters in a post. And that included spaces and uh, punctuation. Mm. So this was uh, something that I try to do every day just because, you know, Facebook got kind of boring for me, (laughs) you know, posting just dumb stuff. And this was kind of a fun thing to do. And, um, uh, I got a book deal out of it, and uh, they made a. Uh, Houghton Mifflin did a really beautiful job of uh, of printing it. Where it has ten collages in it, and it's, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Ed Ward. He's a music writer, and uh, he said, "You know, this stuff should be in a book. Do you, you, shall I introduce you to my agent?" And I said, "Sure." You to his agent. The agent shopped it around, and very quickly we had uh, we had a, a deal, and the book was printed. Mm. And uh, quite proud of it. And it's not only because you know I got a book print, but because they did such a lovely job with the uh, cover and the printings. Very nicely designed. I mean, that's that part is so important. You can't underestimate. I mean, I can, I can see that you know you having the career that you've had to have a outfit do it the right way you know to paper and yeah and all that that's you can't underestimate that that's so important and i know i'm sure you've had battles where you're in situations where the, the quality wasn't up to that or it wasn't the same right that it wasn't the same oh sure. yeah. yeah sometimes i'm disappointed with my quality of, <laughs> of yeah. the work um so uh, I don't know. I can read more, or Absolutely. we can just uh, chat. One more, one or two more, and then we'll we'll chat. chat. Um, okay. Because that's, that's they. Okay. They are closing the mine in two weeks. They say six days a week, bumping down in the gondola, picking out the rocks and hauling them back up, doing it again the next day for twenty-seven years. One cave-in, three thin raises, and a failed strike. Where am I going to go every day? What am I going to do with all that sunshine? Mm. That's, 20, that's 24 characters there. I'm sorry? Yeah, that's the characters. There they yeah, are. the characters. There they are. Um, there's, there's one I... Um, I don't, want to, I don't want to waste your time here. You're not. This is a, well, uh, that I've always liked. Well, then Prof would stood up. Well, 
Shall I start again? Yes, sir. Thank you. Crawford stood outside of Sloan's, hand up for a cab. His face was punctuated by a cigar and a redhead hung on his arm like a comma. He'd approached her after his third doers in water. You make a bar stool look like a throne. <laughs> she looked him up. She looked him over, suppressed a smile. Yeah, you make wearing a raincoat look like a felony. <laughs> he lit her cigarette, loosened his tie, and sat down next to her, bumped her knee. Hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's got so, that's got a real noir. I hadn't <laughs> thought that you were you you maybe you are a noir uh, person too. Oh, I love noir. Noir, those forties and fifties films. I wonder. We like. We like. I wonder if um uh, um, where you see things going now with all the technology, and you talked about how everything's so miniature and on the screen, and how you're adapting to some of those changes, or if you're adapting, or what your thoughts about. Oh, I mean. I'm a go back. I really like working with my hands on paper. Um, I do, you know, utilize the computer and Photoshop and some other things. And I've been making these little animations almost daily, putting them up on Instagram and uh, mm -hmm. other media. Um, I don't know, man. It's uh, I stuck my finger in an, in the NFT thing and got burned, and people oh, are asking yeah. me to do. I don't know. I need someone to, to guide me through it, and uh, that, that may happen. Um, I don't know. It's a whole different scene, a, a lot of different kinds of art. I, you know, I make collages out of old paper, so it's, right. it's, not, <laughs> it's not on the tip of modern technology or modern art. Right. Well, uh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I think of the Terry Southern quote from Red Dirt Marijuana. It's not. It's a scene I don't make. I think is what the character says in that oh, in that short story. It reminded me of that when you yeah. said it's a scene that that's, that's hip talk. Yeah, but maybe that's a scene you have to make if you want to stay. You know, if you technology, you know, staying with the uh, and, NFTs. Yeah. NFTs is is all the talk of the you know the news and digital. They're all everybody's. I don't really quite understand yeah. it, but I don't know. You know. Um. Uh, well, I, I think that uh, digital money, what's it called? Not, uh, anyway, I, that, that realm is, is a happening thing, you know. Uh, that kind of, that kind of uh, digital currency is going to be with us. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. Oh, no, yeah. So uh, NFTs are linked to that, um, and they drive uh, a lot of the commerce. Hmm. But as someone who's knowledge about this stuff told me, Wyoming believes that it really will happen on a big scale. And they have uh, uh, made laws to help out uh, digital currency. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the, the, the general name for what I'm talking about, digital currency. Hmm. Um Anyway, so uh, that's that's sort of the the base in the United States for uh, for banking with this stuff. So I'm told. I, I, I don't know personally. So 
So I think it's going to be around. I mean, I and of I'm, course, wondering, I'm wondering, the further question is, what is an artist to do in that milieu? You know, what, what are your thinking strategy, or practically speaking, of just um, making sure you get paid uh, well, and making sure you, you know, you can, and all the rest of it. There, there is uh, supposedly a, a fail-safe in this because these, these tokens sort of... Uh, make the, uh, the the possessor, the owner, uh, a one thing. They can't be hacked. Supposedly, I'm not quite sure. I'm not really the person to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, I, I know my, my son's made a little bit of money oh, through it. He, okay. he knows some people who made more money. My son's a fabulous artist, as is my daughter. Um, you know, they grew up watching uh, me and, and my daughter from uh, another uh, marriage. Uh, that woman, an artist, so she she grew up with art all around. And my 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 wife is a photographer, so mm-hmm. you know our house is uh, a place where things get created. And both kids grew up with that, and they're great artists. My son does a lot of digital work. He does uh, he. Uh, he does large scale things. He also makes collages. He makes music too. Oh, wow. I think it's interesting to me about the young people who are in the arts is that uh, you know they've got uh, they've got fingers in different aspects. Uh, my son makes music. He's you know put out lots of uh, stuff on on the digital platforms, and uh, he's designed record covers as well, mm-hmm. and he's done you know, theaters, uh, backdrops and, uh, editorial illustrations. So he, I, I think, uh, a lot of younger people in the arts do multiple things and yeah. feel, feel, uh, feel comfortable being fluid that way. Yeah. That makes me more happy because I always hated labels and categories and boundaries, a lot of them. And, and maybe that, uh-huh. maybe that way, they're going to point a way to looking at art in a, in a, in a comp in a full way. You know, you don't ask what kind of artist somebody is or whether it's commercial or not. You just, whether you like it or whether it ultimately, whether it moves you or whether you, whether you find, find it yeah. beautiful. It's what matters, right. As opposed to, and so maybe, um, doing a lot of different things and versatility is one way to make that point. So that's great. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, proud of family members. What 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 hap- What's happening with your days now in terms of so much going on with the with the fires, especially in California and and, and all the world events? So how are you, how are you um how are you staying sane uh, and staying? Uh, um, did you say staying staying sane? Yeah, keep you know keeping a. Keep I think there's a presumption. Yeah. Um, no. well, or an assumption. Yeah. Um, um, well, I don't. Fires this, this time around haven't affected us particularly. They're yeah. they're not that close. Um, you could certainly there's days uh, when the recent fires were closer, where the sky has incredible color in it, and you can smell smoke in the air. And that's uh, unpleasant. My sister who lives up in uh, the Berkeley area. It's affecting her more, or did the big fires up there? Yeah, it's, uh, I feel bad because I love California. I've I been here too. for I, I think quite I think a while. Los, I think Los Angeles is one of the most beautiful places in the world. 
people think I'm crazy oh, really? when I say that, but I think it's equal to <laughs> Paris or, or to, you know, but you, it seems, sounds like you, you get that. You, you see that. But, um, well, no, I see beautiful parts of, I think it's an ugly city, but I like well, that about it. Yeah, of course. Sure. I love I like visiting San Francisco, but much less now than I did in the past. Uh, it's got beautiful scenic places and lovely architecture and, and uh, iconic buildings. But I don't know, man, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't live there, yeah. especially now. But the, uh, the tech people have, uh, have made a big impact. And uh, I don't know if we have more homeless, probably because we're larger, mm. but there's an awful on the street there. The homeless situation here is, is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, it's more of a problem than fires, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, that gets it. That gets into uh, part of politics, you know, on your... Mm. On your uh, <laughs> uh, and politics has always been a big, big part of your work, you know. You've always been... Politically aware and and and, um, and um, few years with that and who was president, uh, you know, threw some stuff out of me. Um, and uh, Black Lives Matter, all of the changes that have gone on in the last few years. Yeah. I mean, in everybody and uh, I did I did make some art that addressed those things. That's great. You know, when we do our when we do our podcast, you know, we have a little inside the episode, and there's, if there's anything you want to express or share, you should include it. You know, if it's recent, you're like, "Well, I'm really happy with this," and and you're you know, you're the boss. You can decide what you wanna what you wanna share or not. That's your you're your call. I, if if people would uh, would go to my website and look at the work so that they had some idea of what we're talking about, the uh, illustration and the fine artwork are separated. And there's also uh, a section of readings from this 420 book by uh, three friends of mine uh, who are better readers than, than I am, uh, Dave Alvin. A stunning musician here, uh, Ian McShane, a British actor, and Jeff Bridges, yep. also a great actor, and they were kind enough to read some stories and record them. Uh, so that the website would give your listeners, if they wanted, m more uh, uh, connection visually to what we're talking about in orally. That's the place to go, lubeach.com. Lubeach.com. Uh, when was the last time you've spoken with Jeff Bridges or talked to him? Oh, probably a year ago. Uh -huh. You know, we've emailed, you know, he just got uh, the cancer free. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a, a fine and, and loyal man, friend. Uh, you know, there's met lots of celebrities here in Hollywood. You kind of can't help but to do that and uh, but he's uh, he's not a bullshit show business guy no. he's a solid he really is yeah I feel that and I and I it's it's interesting I, I'm so I was really led to you by Al Hall Jr. Santa Fe the trombonist you know because he um, was one of the I'm sorry with whom uh, Anna, uh, Santa Fe Al Hall Jr. because he's one of the musicians on Liquid Love you know in Freddie Hubbard's band um, yeah, yeah. 
And, he, and I said, I really want to get a hold of Lou Beach. And he said, oh, I know. I remember Lou Beach. You'll be able to, be able to contact him. <laughs> so that makes me think, uh, before I go, do you have any memories, uh, memories about that band or that particular project or that? Probably. Um, um, no, it was just another, it was just another uh, sometimes I meet the musicians uh, and get to talk to them. I, I did not get to talk to Freddie, unfortunately. Um. No, I was, I was, as I recall, ended the title, Liquid Love, and then I just took off and made that picture of a mermaid and then they, uh, <laughs> the type on it, yeah. on to the next. Some, some, uh, some assignments were, were closer to my heart and, and where I would work with the musicians more closely. That was, uh, unfortunately not one of them. I know that you, you love that cover and have it on your notebook. Yeah. <laughs> What would be an example of an album where you were really intimate with the musicians or kind of just hung out with them and, and it was uh, just comes to mind a, a band or where that was the case? Where there was um... uh, the Neville Brothers, I did a cover called Fio and the Bio for them, and we didn't hang out, yeah. but I did get you know, go backstage after uh, they were at the whiskey or the yeah. one of the. It was just such a thrill to meet them because they're such outstanding musicians and um, I just love their music, you know. So I was uh, I was thrilled. I was really happy to have gotten that gig and to have met them. I, you know, not, not in the record part of this, but meeting musicians. When I was living at that church in Boston, there was a gospel and blues festival that took place there. And Muddy Waters played, and I got to hang with Muddy Waters for a while. And uh, he had been in a car accident. Oh, wow. Before, maybe a week before, and he was limping. And, and uh, coincidentally, or faithfully, that day while I was cleaning the grounds, I found a cane. So I, I presented him with this cane after the show he was uh, he was doling out the uh, the proceeds from the door to the band mm-hmm. and uh, I said hold on I, I got something and I ran down to the janitor's closet I brought back the uh, the cane and he made me carve him in it and uh, I had always been uh, in love with his music and Chicago blues in, in general and it was uh, you know he's royalty to me mm-hmm. so that was thrilling to, to, to have him ask me to, you know, put my name in his name. And I met him later at some backstage thing, too. And it was, uh, he remembered me. And oh, wow. so I was that. Uh, I'm easily flattered, man. So say something. Uh, well, you started off flattery. A, well, you, you called yourself the Albert Kane of Collage. And I think, you know, that's, that, um, that's. So which King of Collage? Albert King. Uh, oh, the Albert King. Like the media. But I, I, sort King, yeah. like, I sort of feel like visual art and music, there is the connection there. And of course, you know, in movies and cinema, there's that. And certainly, that can be, that's, a, that's a case where those, those really come together. Sure. Um, sure. Is there anything you want to say to the listener that uh, comes to your consciousness about anything um, before we. In fact. Mm hmm. Can I can can I spare? Can you spare? No, I just I don't, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get political. I, we don't need to do that. 
or get your uh, get you in trouble either. Oh, please yeah, do. Please do. Stay safe. Stay safe. Make art. Make music. Make love. Try to be happy. Be good to your neighbors and your family. I'm just, you know, old hippie stuff. Well, the hippies, Which is, the hippies were right. <laughs> they were there. You guys, you guys are correct. But, I, you know, yeah. that's a, I mean, that hearing these stories about you know, VW or about the yellow truck and it's just something seems beautiful that you kind of travel cross country and you meet somebody and they say, hey, oh. we, need, we need some artwork for our church and come do it. And that's, um, uh, there's something beautiful about that, that, that personal touch of that. that um, well, I think I've, I was, I've been lucky that, uh, you know, part of it was just uh, having things happen that I fell into. I, I, I can't say that I've been that motivated uh, or ambitious, but uh, I was lucky to have, you know, met people who helped me and uh, people who maybe open my eyes to some music and artwork and uh, like all of us I think if we're open then we will we will get stuff from from just our life experiences absolutely Lou Beaches I thank you for your generosity this is a real treat and uh, I, I wish you to be safe and be kind and, and, and I I want to thank you for, for taking the time to talk about uh, yourself and what you've done so thank well, you. Thank you, Mitch. Fun and, uh, thank you for all the kind words at the beginning. I hope that you still have some kind words at the end for me. <laughs> Certainly do. All right, Lee Beach. Stay safe. Thank you again. Yep. Bye-bye. I don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon, folks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.